it, yeah. The key thing is, don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. That's an important question. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think that the most important, the most compelling was, uh, was 9-11 itself. Welcome to the special live edition of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, waging the all-out struggle for truth since 2006 on the Internet airwaves. To see all of my radio stuff, just go to truthjihad.com and click on the radio schedule link. You'll find out what's happening, including tonight. You can see the write-ups for tonight's show, which should be a doozy. In the second hour, Peter Myers is coming on to demate. Demate. That's like demote, but he's not going to demote him. He's going to debate him. Matthew Matthew Errett is coming on. Peter Myers says that Matthew is the foremost proponent of the LaRouche viewpoint of the New World Order. And that's quite a compliment. But then Peter is going to raise some questions for him. He has six points he wants to raise to debate with Matt Errett. So that should be a fun second hour. First hour, we're talking about the New World Order with Dr. A.K. Dudney. He's a legendary polymath science professor, math professor. He's done ecology. He's done computer science. He's done mathematics. He replaced Martin Gardner at Scientific American, and he is well known for his Project Achilles studies showing that the alleged cell phone calls on 9-11 could not have happened. So uh, he's putting out a New World Order Intelligencer newsletter these days, and uh, we're going to start talking about that and go on from there. So I heard some noise on the line. I wonder if, hey, are you there? Yeah, Dr. that was my brief uh, announcement of my presence. I said, here. Oh, I, I, th- I thought you were just calling your dog or something. No, that's, uh, I, <laughs> great. Yeah, because I, I tried reaching you earlier today. I couldn't get through, and I was starting to I was panic. Worried that you might not worry. I was worried that you were worried that I hadn't really – uh, that it wasn't really me on the phone. Oh, no. So so my worry triggered your worry, which is triggering my worry, which sounds like what's going on with this pandemic thing where everybody's worry is worrying everybody else, and pretty soon the whole planet is just hideously worried. That's right. And people are going beyond what they've been restricted to by demonstrating or signaling their virtue. They add extra restrictions without any further urging on the part of the uh, planners of this uh this um, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing it. Yeah, they're, they're enslaving themselves, aren't they? They're out like doing the masks. The masks. I think everybody with- is sort of secretly or unconsciously worried that something else, something very seriously, is wrong. Something is terribly amiss, and uh, they they defend it by by saying, in effect, that I'm not only with you, I'm going to go beyond what you're asking me to do just so that you won't attack me later. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 they're, they're one-upping each other, and, and that, that holds true for all sorts be of the, What they call the deep psychology behind this, and it's very effective. I mean, the way they got everyone to wearing masks is very impressive, you have to admit. Yeah, well, for, first they said they don't work, don't wear any masks, uh, and the medical professionals need the, the high-quality masks, so don't don't make a run on the mask. They don't work anyway. And yeah. then 
it suddenly there was this fake, you know, this astroturf, fake grassroots movement to just wrap bananas around your mouth and pretend you're doing something about COVID. And then the yeah. media encouraged that. Yes. Which is bizarre. Right. And the scientific literature doesn't really seem to support that that uh, really does anything. No, I, there's a nice little saying that I, <clears throat> I have used in the past and will use again in the future. Um, viruses go through that mask like mosquitoes through a chain link fence. And then there are debates about whether the uh, you know actual real sort of medical type masks like the uh, you know, N95s, things like that could uh, help some. And as far as I'm concerned, the you know, that, that debate is still open. But well, it sure looks yeah, to me like, question, yeah, go ahead. It's a question of the pore size of the mask versus the diameter of the virus. The virus is incredibly tiny. I mean, you hold your finger and thumb together about one millimeter apart, and you can get uh, almost 10,000 viruses in the space between. Wow. Now, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a frightening thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, so, I've heard different reports on theoretically whether these N95 should work. In the real world, though, I'm pretty sure that because of issues with fit, with issues of you know having the mask on for more than a couple of hours and this electrostatic thing that helps stop the virus is, is wears off, uh, that in the real world, those N95s for ordinary people is, is just pretty ridiculous. That's not going to work either. And, N95, uh, N95s, they have a worse um, effect on your physiology than the regular masks because Regular masks uh, leave you with 17% oxygen tension inside the mask, and uh, you require for full breathing 21% oxygen, which is the atmospheric concentration. So uh, N95 may be even worse than 17%, but even 17% affects some people with heart conditions or they're just sort of borderline in terms of breathing, and suddenly <laughs> they're gasping for air. Now, isn't it odd how we got this this pandemic or plandemic of a virus that messes with people's lungs right at the time that the media made I can't breathe the advertising slogan for George Floyd. But subliminally, the I can't breathe slogan also seemed to apply to both COVID, the disease, and then also, of course, the the masking that uh, prevents you from breathing, too. So the fear of the virus that stops you from breathing by wrecking your lungs uh, ends up, you know, you put the, put the mask on, and now you're oxygen deprived. <laughs> anyway, it's almost like you're intentionally inflicting the harm, uh, or a little bit of the harm, anyway, that the disease can cause, yes. at least to the unlucky people. It's, there's something weird about the psychology of all of this. Yeah, that's an excellent point, actually. Um, yes, and of course, the masks could have the psychological effect visually of reducing all our friends and acquaintances and loved ones to sort of uh, zombies. You know, I mean, you don't see the most expressive part of the face, which is the mouth and the nose. You know, and George Romero that, could have imagined this. He could have made a great uh, Night of the Living Dead sequel you know, with people wearing masks. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I got that. But anyway, we want to talk about how this strange publication called The New World Intelligence got started. And I thought maybe we could start there first, if, if that's okay with you. That, that sounds good. Now, are we allowed to name the name of this that individual uh, that you and I have both corresponded with you a lot more than me, who was um, supposedly a veteran of some Western intelligence services? And uh, I'm not sure what he's up to these days. Can we even talk about that guy, or did, am I going to have to be killed even for I'm going to mention up? that, but I'm just going to mention the person named X, okay? Mr. X. 
as a yeah, Mr. X, uh, I, I give away the I'll give away the sex for free. Yes, it was a male. Um, but, <laughs> you shouldn't uh, give away sex for free too often. Anyway, yes, but starting at the very beginning, on the day of 9-11, uh, I mean, I saw the television newscasts of the aircraft hitting the towers and all the rest of it, and, I, and of course I got the line immediately, the narrative pounced on these um, unknown, well, actually they were known, um, Arab terrorists, um, in um, what should I call it? extreme Muslim extremists, terrorists, Arab terrorists, whatever they called them. I thought to myself, well, I mean, if they're Muslims and they're committing suicide, obviously, to make a point, I, I was aware or became aware shortly after that, after doing some special reading, that in fact, uh, even in military jihad, suicide is is uh, is something that will, in the words of, of, of Allah, of God, will, he will say, I have no mercy for those people. So I thought, well, these terrorists obviously felt it was worth uh, uh, um, an eternity in hell uh, just to, uh, you know, get some blowback to the West, which had been, of course, um, attacking them one way or another for centuries. So uh, that made me suspicious, and I thought, well, you know, this is beginning to look like some kind of inside job, which was what many people were calling it at the time. So I thought, well, how do we know that there were terrorists on those planes? Well, the only source of information was those cell phone calls. So I thought, well, wait a minute. Now, I've, I have studied uh, radio physics and know something about antenna design and all the rest of it, and I thought... But then I looked up the power output of a uh, typical cell phone was 0.2 watts, um, whereas an aircraft requires anywhere between 30 and 50 watts on their antenna system to get in touch with the ground. So I thought, well, how is a little 0.2 cell phone going to get all the way to the ground, especially at the altitude of 35,000 feet, which is where those aircraft were traveling at the time? So uh, I got suspicious enough that I thought, well, the, the only thing I can do now is to take the uh, take a page from the book of the experimental physicists and uh, stage uh, a, an experiment on my own. So I went Robert out to Richard the Feynman would be proud of you. Oh, oh, I'm sure he would. I <laughs> I would hope so. He's a fine man. Anyway, um, <laughs> I went out to the local airport and uh, booked a flight on uh, one of our locally manufactured aircraft called the Katana Diamond Katana. It's a lightweight sport coupe aircraft, uh, like a two-seater. And uh, I hired one of those along with a pilot, took three cell phones up with me, and we flew in an ascending spiral over the city, passing over both the core areas and the suburbs in order to get all possible positions in terms of direction and altitude of the cell towers that were going to field these calls. And then I had someone on the ground as the uh, ground operator who took the calls and made a record of which succeeded and which didn't. So anyway, we, we went on this flight. We went up to about five or 6,000 feet maximum altitude, finding at each, um, at each thousand feet uh, stage, uh, we were getting decreasing um, hits on the uh, cell phones. In other words, uh, we would get at 1,000 feet, maybe part of a, a whole conversation, but beyond that, we were just getting two or three words at a time, and it would cut out. But the absolute uh, cutout seemed to be around 6,000 feet. And then later on, subsequent uh, 
you know, uh, many, many people sent in emails saying they had traveled and surreptitiously turned on their cell phone and found that they had lost service uh, within a minute of takeoff. So, and that's in a big, wide-body aircraft full of metal, which attenuates the signal like crazy. Anyway, um, I wasn't really satisfied with that because it had been a plastic aircraft, which was uh, which was transparent to radio waves. So I went back to the airport and hired another plane, a Cessna 127, which is a, an all-metal aircraft. And we did the same experiment over again, this time with a cell phone expert aboard. It was a four-seater and who had an array of cell phones with him, and he would call on each phone, identifying to the ground operator which phone he was using and so forth. And uh, the ground operator would record the uh, the uh, audibility uh, and success of the call. Uh, that experiment produced much the same results, and I thought I would put these two experiments together. I published a little report about it, which got out on the web. And um, the next interesting thing to happen was that um, a Japanese network, the Asahi network, which is actually the major Japanese network, um, like the CBC of Canada or you know ABC of the States, um, sent over a film crew to make a video about the experiment itself and the results of that experiment. The uh, the final video that aired in on the Asahi network a month later is actually available on our website at physics nine one one. Dot net, And if you like, I can send you the link for the actual video so that anyone who wants to go back and review that whole situation can do so. If you'd like that, I'll send that along. Yeah, please, please do send that. And uh, I will post that at the radio blog. And so listeners can go to truthjihad.com and click on the radio schedule link. Find your way to this particular interview with Dr. A.K. Dudney. And that link by uh, very soon, uh, it should be embedded there in the write-up. So, yeah, yeah this so Project that, Achilles was, was quite, kind of amazing. It's one of the very best uh, scientific investigations into 9-11 ever, ever done. Way better than the government's. <laughs> yes. Which yes, isn't I, saying much. That's, that's, not a, that's not a difficult challenge at all. But, yes, it is better than the government. Um, Let's see. So where are we? So okay. Uh, so so that's that's how you did that. And now we're getting to uh, how Mr. X got involved in this uh, investigating the New World Order project that led to so the it, New World Intelligence. Yeah, I got uh, in, got in touch. Or, uh, a person got in touch with me. Uh, someone from an intelligence background, whom we shall call Mr. X, and uh, he, uh, <clears throat> without ever revealing any. Um, um, classified information without discussing classified information, without leaking any classified information. He simply gave me his opinion of the credibility of some of the alt news websites that were now coming into full blast um, following the event. And uh, I began to go and look at those websites, and then I thought, well, you know, we need a panel too. We need a panel that went with this website that we put up, Physics 9-11. So we had about 20 scientists, engineers, and uh, uh, military people um, on that site uh, as comprising the panel. And uh, that um, uh, was part of the part of the site, which um, I think gave it a lot of credibility. Anyway, I began to send out regular 
email messages to the panel and then to an increasing number of people who expressed an interest in the, that website and and our findings. And uh, that audience uh, grew slowly from 100 to 200 to 500, and now it's uh, about 1,500, but which is really minuscule compared to how much audience some of these websites have. So uh, not to, not to mention that you know, some of the people that we sent those to would send them on to other people. So maybe the reach of that website was, uh, that publication was was higher than I realized. In any event, um, I began to take Mr. X's um, advice about which sites he found credible, and I posted those on the regularly appearing uh, Intelligencer, um, which, as I say, grew and grew like topsy. And then finally, I didn't. Re I realized I didn't really need Mr. X at all. I could do this on my own. At least I thought I could. I just simply accepted mostly sites that would be consistent with what I thought his view would be and stayed with those uh, pretty much throughout. So now I've got, now we, so recently, about a year ago, I, I formed the, uh, what I call the, somewhat pretentiously, the New World News Bureau, <laughs> which is a tiny, perfect operation of one or two people, and uh, which has 23 correspondents who regularly send me stuff. Uh, again, which is consistent with the approach that we adopted from the very beginning. And uh, that's uh, that's been working very well, except that it sucks up enormous amounts of time. I just published a book on mathematics of biodiversity, and I've got another mathematics book in the works, but I can rarely get a chance to work on these projects because I'm there, you know, spending a good part of each day harvesting sites, getting reports from the correspondents, putting them together, reading material, read, 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 you know. Tell me about it. I mean, being, being a conspiracy theorist is a full-time job these days, and it is my full-time job. Uh, oh, my God. I had no idea it was going to get like this. But, uh, right. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm i a widower, and, and I've been sort of wondering if there might be a woman in my life someday that, you know, give me good luck finding time to find one. <laughs> well, I mean, among all those subscribers, maybe one of them uh, would be interested. Yes, well, you never know. Anyway, I've got a few people knocking on the door already. So, um, anyway, that's. Yeah, I hope that's figurative because if you have to leave and go answer the door for some, you know, women who were interested in you and and leave me alone uh, talking on the radio with no guests, that would be that, unfortunate. That that's right, and, and and figurative is is the operative word here. Anyway, um, I'm going to continue on then with a description of what happened next. Um, we had, in succession, I count five separate operations, uh, four of the major and another bunch that are relatively minor, what I call operations of the deep state, starting with 9-11 and proceeding quickly to domestic terrorism, which you'll recall went on for a couple of years, including shootings at schools and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was the... Uh, the um, horrible global warming, which quickly became uh, climate change when they realized that the globe wasn't actually warming. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are we allowed to say that or will we be deplatformed? Oh, we, we might be. I mean, we could go off to one of those FEMA caps, although in my case, I have to go to one of the Canadian ones. 
Uh, so I, I guess well, we the Canadian ones be... are going to be tropical pretty soon if it is warming. And, 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 and let me just right. make a disclaimer here that personally, my my views on this are really uh, pretty agnostic. I've I've heard from people on all sides, including you, um, and you're certainly one of the best qualified scientific minds that I've talked to about this. Uh, so, but you know, I I haven't done the research to have formed well, a strong opinion on that. Well, there's another whole scientific um, uh, push going on from the Danish Institute of Solar Physics which uh, insists that, in fact, um, we're actually cooling. But uh, that, all of that aside, if you decide to uh, take your final refuge in Mexico, if we do have global warming, you could be in trouble. You better come to Canada. That would be my advice. Oh, but the way things are going in Canada right now, where they're freezing the bank accounts of people who contribute to political activists, they're uh, apparently grabbing the truckers and you know, whisking demonstrators off the streets. It, Canada sounds like a, kind of a, a crazy place right now. I mean, it's great that the truckers rose up and did what they did, but the uh, the police state looks like it's getting out of control up there, even even worse than here. Oh, yeah. No, it was, we're getting more like Australia now. You notice that the two Commonwealth countries, formerly Commonwealth countries, are really getting the worst of it. You guys are the uh, Commonwealth, not the Commonwealth. <laughs> yes, I guess so. <laughs> but um, anyway, yours truly hopes to, you know, live day by day, living each day as if it was your last. So anyway... Um, then came, yes, global warming, and then, of course, uh, the, the pandemic, the plandemic, or the COVID-1984, or COVID-19, or whatever you want to call it. COVID. Oh, yeah, that's the word, COVID. I keep forgetting that word. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't heard that for a long time. No, really. So we have COVID-19 pandemic going on, and uh, starting out in about March of 2020, um, the publication New World uh, intelligence uh, started to really concentrate on COVID-19 and its pandemic dimension, uh, with the result that I would say 90% of the content now uh, is, is about the, the pandemic and its impacts, the blowback, country by country, topic by topic, and each issue now has um, it, the, each issue contains now about between 50 and 60 uh, links to various websites, and they're categorized with headers so that you can go to whatever you want to read about. You want to read about the virus specifically? There's a section for that. If you want to read about the um, yeah, the virus, the the uh, the vaccination operation uh, considered as an operation, you can go to a separate. Uh, topic area for that, and so on. And then there's news from different countries that most of which bears on the impact of uh, the pandemic on those countries. Now, where so, can people find you? We better quickly tell them where they can go. What's, what's the website for this? Oh, yeah. Well, the website is – let me get it up here. I want to make sure I have the right uh, link here. Uh, so you get my, get my okay, Google we're, thing out. We're going to send people to the New World Intelligencer. The, yes, that's right. Um, a rich uh, treasure trove of information about uh, all sorts of things that they don't want you to know about. That's right. Now, let me see here. Um, and, not, you know, not every uh, operation devoted to such topics 
is run by somebody with your credentials, uh, uh, Khalil Dudney. You are definitely, you know, one of, one of the most impressive sort of scientific minds that's taken this. Well, oh, you're there. making me blush. No, stop well, but, it. You know, it's it's. Let's I face go it. I mean, to the we don't, New World News Bureau, which go. will be found at actually it's at physics911.net, and the uh, the full one is. Physics911.net slash Intelligencer slash. That's all they have to do. Physics911.net slash Intelligencer slash. Okay, I think we can manage that. And yeah. it, it might even, you should maybe buy the domain New World Intelligencer and just, you know, stick that up there and point it at your, your other, you know, at that material. Probably better, but my, my uh, web boss likes this protest process better. Uh, because he doesn't have to manufacture a whole new website. But that is something we should uh, seriously consider. Because yes, you, you wouldn't need to manufacture a new website. All you have to do is get you know, get the URL, the domain name, and then uh, point it at what you have now. Yeah, so, so well, people, you, uh, you know, there's a facility for putting in a shorter link, right, for a longer exactly. one. So, so people would just, in the, in the URL box, they would just type New World Intelligencer, and as they they type the first you know few characters there, it's probably, you know, they've already been there, it's going to just pop up for them. So it's easy for them to remember and to go there, uh, whereas, well, you know, the not, physics 911... Link is a little cryptic, but uh, yeah. yes, it does. It's much shorter usually, and I know about that facility. I've used it in the past. So yes, I'll consult with my webmaster and see what he says. Um, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. So it's because it's really. It's anyway, I went material. to that site right now, and I'm looking at the New World News Bureau, and there's a sliding window inside it where the the World Intelligencer is posted, and you can scroll that independently. Um, it should be able to. Yes. You can scroll that independently and look at every single entry, all 55 links in the current issue, number 126. And uh, it starts off with, uh, ooh, this is uh, something that really uh, um, scared me, to be honest with you, because I had been hoping all along that this trucker's um, move, this grassroots movement, was truly a grassroots movement and not some kind of astroturf effort. And um, then uh, the amazing Polly, whom you may know about, I don't know what you think of her, but she does seem to be uh, pretty good, pretty conscientious. Um, she um, did a whole uh, video blog about um, there was a kind of a takeover of the leadership of the truckers involving uh, four people with questionable backgrounds who were apparently, um, well, one of them worked for the Obama campaign um, several years ago. Uh, one of them is an expert on public relations, but none of them have any direct or historical relationship with the truckers. And yet, here they are giving orders to all the truckers about what to do, trying to sell them Bitcoin, which is weird. Um, <laughs> and... Well, the amazing Polly reveals all of that. For anyone who finds her credible, you'll find her uh, presentation at the New World Intelligencer under the top topic, which is called the special feature. And uh, right, you know, and I, I'm interested in hearing what Cat McGuire thinks about that. Cat is pretty good at sniffing out infiltration efforts. You know, she's been with the kind of the freedom movement, uh, vaccine movement people all over, you know, in she, she organizes in New York, but she also works with the Europeans. And I think she has some connections in the, the people organizing the trucker uh, the freedom convoy 
So I, well, I want to hear what Kat thinks about this particular article. Yeah. Or well, interview, I should say. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I'm taking it as credible. I, when you get that much um, sort of sincerity, apparent sincerity, behind the report by reading the face as well as listening to the words, I tend to, to believe her, but then I found confirmation of that from another source the other day, and uh, it looks like these people may end up getting outed. I don't know what kind of communication is going on between these various alt-news sites and the truckers themselves, or what's left of the real trucker leadership, but at the same time, I know that um, we are in some critical sense rather disunited, I and mean, then there's no central sort of source to whom we can all turn and say, Daddy, tell us what's real, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's probably good that we're decentralized because it's harder to take us over. Absolutely. One reason why it's been so hard to change the religion of Islam because nobody's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, yeah. I, I can't stand organized religion, and that's why I converted to Islam. Yeah, there you go. So, yes, that's an advantage, really. It's not a, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Right. So that's basically a rundown of what you'll find on the New World News Bureau or the New World Intelligencer. And uh, it remains to be seen just how effective it is. But uh, I don't have yet the tools in hand to evaluate uh, what kind of impact it's having, except that I get the odd letter from people, you know, saying, extolling it and saying thanks and so forth. I get a lot of thanks, actually, relatively speaking, uh, for sending this out each time. So it is somewhat valuable, and I've got some other operations in mind, which I'm working on right now to uh, to confront the New World Order. And it reminds me, Kevin, of something, of a topic that's dear to both our hearts, and that is the idea of jihad. You've got, you've actually co-opted that word now and use it as one of your major outlets, Truth Jihad. I don't know and, if I co-opted it. I, 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 di- I didn't trademark it either. I wish, I kind of wish I could, but, um, yeah. It, and of course, it just means effort, struggle, or striving. And, and the greater jihad is to become a better person. And then the lesser jihad is striving or effort to defend the community. And yeah, those are well, good I was, things. I was going to yeah. run that past you to see what you would say, but you basically already said it. But I distinguish three kinds of jihad. Uh, the first is military jihad, which is defending your community. And the word, as you point out, the word jihad really does mean struggle, right? Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, and then coming back from the Battle of Badr, one of the early military exercises of the early Muslims, um, the men were all very happy that they had uh, succeeded in uh, militarily in that particular endeavor, and the... the uh, prophet turned to them and said, uh, you're going from the lesser jihad to a greater jihad. And they said, oh, what would that be? And he said, well, the struggle against your own base desires, the things that continue to sidetrack a spiritual life. So, you know, that they took that to heart, and uh, that became the second kind of jihad, a kind of personal jihad, if you like, it's self-improvement. And then I became aware, I think it was with your help, of a third kind of jihad, uh, Sana'i was the uh, was the, the one who communicated this hadith that the uh, prophet, peace be upon him, once said um, um, the, the greatest jihad is to fling a word of truth in the face of the oppressor. And I That's thought, wow, idea. right on. That's what I'm 
doing, or that's what I hope I'm doing. So here we are, presumably. Here we are. And, and taking, that, you know, that, that truth jihad, or that flinging the word of truth in the face of the oppressor. Well, that's I mean, what truth jihad means, is it? Yeah, well, it, it sort of include, you know, it, it overlaps with the other two because when you yeah. do that, you are defending the community against that oppressor. And then also yeah. you're becoming a better person because you're, you're standing up for what's right. Well, that's right. You're not going to, you know, hide under your bed like some Muslims are. <laughs> <laughs> some, yeah, tell oh, me about it. See? <laughs> and so I've just committed a major sin, well, a minor sin anyway, by describing some of my Muslim husbands, uh, <laughs> Muslim uh, people as, you know, basically cowardly, but I don't see a lot of help coming from that quarter, to be honest with you. Yeah, we've There's worked a, at it. We sent out thousands of paper newsletters to, you know, a, a huge percentage of, of the mosques in the U.S. I guess maybe yeah. you sent some in Canada, too, and uh, got very little response. I, I was being invited to speak in mosques uh, back maybe seven, eight years ago a little bit, yeah. and then you know, I kind of used up the ones <laughs> that, that were open to it. Um, I know what that's like. Yeah, yeah, they get pushed back. Uh, there's, you know, Saudi money involved in financing many of these mosques. There's, they're all terrified of, of the government and the authorities. They're terrified of being vilified as evil, anti-Semitic, uh, you know, anti-Zionist, anti-Semitic, conspiracy theorist, radical Muslims, and being persecuted. And so they mostly just want to get by. Yeah, that's. I think that's partly for two reasons. First of all. Um, the Arab mentality, uh, God bless it, uh, has uh, has a lot uh, takes a lot of um, uh, a lot of its uh, force from the idea of uh, of being respectable, you know, being a respectable person and and having a good reputation uh, among your fellow Muslims, and that ends up being translated into not being called out as a conspiracy theorist or as a wacko or something like that. Anything that's disrespectful to your person becomes sort of like, um, well, that's a loss of, uh, that's a loss of uh, status. And uh, that's terrifying enough. But then you have the, the fact that many immigrants, Muslim immigrants to this country and yours um, are from rather repressive regimes where they know the safest course is just do and say whatever the hell the, the local media tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah the, the rulers in those places often don't really tolerate very much dissent. No. That's, so, so they immigrate here and they imagine that maybe you, you can't get away with stuff that actually you can get away with. I mean, you, you right. can speak truth to power up to a certain point until you start to really threaten the rulers here. You know, once yes. you're a, an actionable threat, then they might do something to try to remove the threat, whatever that might be. But yes. at the level that we're at, um, it's likely that, you know, if, if we did what we're doing in North America and tried to do it in certain Muslim countries, uh, yes. we might have a problem. But uh, here we can do it, and we're, here we are. We're living proof that you can. Well, if we, if we have at least that much uh, freedom of expression left, um, we'd be stupid not to take full advantage of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, you know, we, we may be having more influence uh, than we think. You know, I, I think that we've hollowed out the faith of uh, ordinary people in, in yes. their institutions. Uh, you know, everybody knows that Epstein didn't kill himself, even though The New York Times keeps telling us that, of course, he really did. And you're a conspiracy theorist. We don't believe it. Well, everybody's a conspiracy theorist then because nobody believes it. Yeah, and that's right. just an extreme example. And the rest of you know, all yeah, these other issues, I think a lot of people don't really deeply believe the official line anymore. No. And um, I think it was sort of amusing that 
In fact, um, they had uh, Osama bin Laden living in Abbottabad in uh, Pakistan, right? Um, but in fact, uh, the word I have is that he was visited by a CIA um, uh, officer in in a hospital in Karachi, I think it was, in December of uh, 2000, um, because he was dying of kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, actually, according to the French uh, mainstream media, uh, he was also treated for his uh, very advanced stage of kidney failure in the American hospital in Dubai in the summer of 2001, just a few oh, months no. before 9-11. And the doctor never... who treated him is a physician uh, named Dr. Terry Calloway, who operates out of, I think it was like Maryland or one of those East Coast states. Dr. Calloway has pointedly refused to deny this. When asked about it, he simply clams up rather than denying it. Uh, yes. It's very likely true. And then uh, Osama bin Laden, according to the Pakistani media reports, was in a Pakistani military hospital under American guard on 9-11. Oh, oh. oh he hadn't died yet. Well, that's what they say, yeah. And, and most of the reports that he died mostly say he died in December of 2001. Yeah. And that's the, oh, I think yeah, the most that's right. That's the year before. It was that year. Yeah. Yeah. 2001. Yeah, he died yeah. right about when they put out the Fatty Bin Laden video showing this overweight imposter that doesn't even look like him, uh, yeah. supposedly chortling <laughs> <laughs> about the uh, success of the operation, saying, I just thought the top part of the towers would collapse, but hey, the whole thing did. Ha, ha, ha. Um, Another yeah. little piece of independent research I did on um, some of uh, – on. Um, Sorry, Saddam Hussein, when they when they, they found him dead or someone shot him, I don't know how he got killed. He got assassinated, I guess. They showed his dead body, and his teeth were visible, and his his, his teeth were really terrible. They were mostly rotten-looking, but uh, file photos of Saddam Hussein show excellent white teeth entirely whole. Uh, the uh, The jaw was quite different, so I thought maybe that's not really him. You're talking about the the official execution of Saddam, which I think was by hanging. And oh, those yes. pictures, yeah. Those, so those pictures of the guy they executed as Saddam allegedly, yeah. as you said, uh, have some serious problems uh, and perhaps appear to show uh, a, a lookalike. That's one that I fear to doubt for myself. But and I might add that over the, all this stretch of time from 2001 to the present day, um, I've been sort of slowly and steadily honing my skills learning slowly what to believe and what not to believe or what to be suspicious about either way. And uh, I fancy now that I I might almost end up working for some intelligence agency that uh, at least had the right direction. You know, I would be pleased to to work with uh, other people on on that kind of level, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, in a, in a sense, what we are doing open source intelligence, but mm-hmm. unlike intelligence agencies, rather than trying to hoard the information, we are yes. sharing the information, hoping that the world will be better as more people have access to truthful information. Now, that yeah. may be a Pollyanna-ish view. I'm sure the intelligence professionals would tell us that, but I, yes. I, I believe it. I believe that, you know, truth is something that really does uh, help us, you know, and, and this is where... I would say people ask me and I tell, I say, look, I can't give a name to this core group, but they're at least... At least 20,000 professional, stress the word professional, men and women who come from all of the relevant professions, not just the intelligence uh, industry, so to speak, but, uh, you know, uh, 
pilots, uh, engineers, architects, uh, uh, journalists, uh, you know, everyone has their own bailiwick where they like to uh, stir the soup a little bit and, and um, find out new uh, and interesting on-the-ground information that they can convey to their readers. So this number of people, I would say at least 20,000 professional men and women, comprise what I call the core group. Of those, maybe a, a hundred or so are doing the actual analysis and research, and the others are all signing on as supporters of those uh, of the websites that resulted from those kinds of investigations. So um, I think there's uh, maybe more than I'm, I'm estimating. Maybe I'm giving you an underestimate, but that's the core group, and I've been trying to think of a great name that they could adopt without being official about it, just a, a kind of a casual name. And I thought of the word collective somehow playing a role there, but I haven't got any further than that. Anyway, we do need a slightly more cohesion, I think, uh, to to make this uh, work a little better. Mm-hmm. That would be <clears throat> nice, yeah. You know, if people do want to see a pretty good list of professionals who are uh, speaking out on the 9-11 issue, the website PatriotsQuestion911.org, I believe, is still up, and, and it's uh, quite well done. Yes, and, I uh, used I use that because, you know, although I have these correspondents sending stuff in, I still spend some time going through a list I have of over 235 alt-news websites. And I go through those uh, painfully. I don't do them all anymore. I've targeted about two dozen that, that really do seem to deliver the goods. So anyway, I have to go through harvesting those websites as well as processing the reports I'm getting. So that's one of the things that add to the workload of running a publication like um, the New World Intelligencer. Yeah, it keeps you busy. I, you know, I do something similar to what you do with my False Flag Weekly News broadcast every Saturday, 11 to noon Eastern. We mm-hmm. cover about the 30 most prominent stories or most illuminating stories of that week and yeah. go over them with uh, you know various uh, guest commentators. And so, you know, collecting all of these stories and figuring out which are the 30 I want to use each week is uh, very, quite you know, time-consuming. It's a big part of it. You do is a lot more labor-intensive because you also have to organize your shows, set up your interviews. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many you have to uh, contact by phone or email before you get one or two that are willing to come on your show. But Yeah, it takes big... a while, it's, and especially the famous ones. Uh, yeah. Like, I was very lucky to recently get a chance to talk with Michelle Malkin, the last person that I ever thought would be on my show, making That's a certain right. amount of sense about a lot of things and, and apologizing to me for having uh, attacked me for my uh, 9-11 truth work. I guess she's uh, halfway to being red-pilled. And yes. she said she's going to spend the summer researching this stuff, uh, reading the Ron Unz uh, series at American Pravda at, at UNZ.com. And then yes. hopefully I'll talk to her again after that, and we'll just see how red-pilled she may be by next year. So, yeah. you know, Hannity and O'Reilly are going to apologize soon. Stalwart work. Anyway, I'm, a, I'm a, probably one of your greatest fans. So all I can say is keep on trucking. Oh, well, did I you. say trucking? Oh, my <laughs> yeah, speaking of, of keeping on trucking, uh, so the, the truckers are now in the target of not just the deep state, but just the state, pure and simple. The Canadian government is is freezing bank accounts of people who give them money and, you know, declaring a, the first state of emergency that Canada has ever faced. I guess this is this is worse than when the Americans were attacking back in 1812 or whatever. And yes. uh, 
it, it looks pretty crazy. So where is this going to go? Uh, is Ottawa going to be cleared of truckers, or will the truckers actually get an audience with Trudeau? I don't know, but uh, let's recall that uh, good old Justin's daddy was Pierre Trudeau, who declared uh, the who uh, invoked the War Measures Act uh, to uh, prevent Quebec from separating back when he was the prime minister. So the War Measures Act was the direct uh, ancestor of the uh, emergency, whatever it's called now. Um, anyway, um, so Justin is very much following in his daddy's footsteps. Besides being the, the, the pet boy of Karl Sch- Schwab. Klaus Schwab, yeah, yeah. Our, our friend over at the uh, IMF at the uh, World Economic Forum. Uh, and apparently he has spoken out about Trudeau as being sort of a favorite, one that's everyone in the, on the other side is sort of watching as their wonder, their wunderkind. Well, they trained uh, him, right? Didn't they? They trained a bunch of young, future young leaders and, and those people like Merkel and, and, uh, Trudeau oh, yeah. and a whole bunch of them are now in, in Macron, you know, all these people that the WEF trained to be the future leaders suddenly, wow, they're in power. What, what a coincidence. The voters apparently think exactly amazing. the same way the World Economic Forum does. Yes, well, now we're thinking, well, with so many people, something like 90% of Canadians uh, uh, in a recent uh, Toronto Star poll turned out to be uh, more or less in favor of what the truckers were doing. Um, that would surely indicate uh, hard times ahead for Justin getting reelected, except that now we have this problem, as you have there, that the uh, election may be rigged in some manner. Uh, in some subtle way, I presume, and uh, Justin will be back in again at the behest of the New World Order. So I don't have any great hopes that uh, Trudeau is going to get turfed out in the next election. I just, and, and, and just hope that, that the you know the truckers don't come back to Ottawa and stage an insurrection to protest any cheating that uh, puts Trudeau back in power, or else they would have to copy the American playbook and yes. uh, demonize the uh, the insurrection. Yes, well, I'm waiting for the American truckers who said earlier in the week that they were on their way to Ottawa. Now they're not doing it. They're going to, they've got a staged uh, kind of plan in place where they're going to go to various centers with a great many trucks and uh, carry out the same kind of operation that the Canadian truckers did. At the same time, I see that this move by the truckers has earned Canada a new respectability among the nations of the world. So now Canada is sort of special. Uh, This is a role that our country has never played before, so I'm still getting used to it. And I'm getting calls from American friends saying, good for you. I didn't realize you Canadians had so much guts. We didn't know you had cojones. We knew that some of the Mexicans had cojones. You're all a bunch of wimps. No. Yeah, Yeah, your reputation is for being way too nice. Yes, that's right. Anyway, I've got some jokes in that, but they're off-color, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, yeah, don't tell any off-color jokes on our nice uh, Muslim radio show here. No. <laughs> so so this demonizing of dissent, where they they freeze your bank account if you you know if you crowdfund uh, political causes, uh, and uh, you know the, the DHS recently uh, put out a bull- terror bulletin uh, saying that you know people like us who are basically just dissidents are yes. the tools of uh, foreign powers and terrorists and things like that. Which, uh, it's either China or Russia. Take your pick. 
Yeah, right. So uh, I figured they, you know, they might be a little upset about this uh, interview I just did with Ron Unz about his hypothesis of where COVID came from, which I think is very well supported. Uh, probably yeah. a U.S. biowar strike on China and Iran. Uh, yeah. Robert Cadillac, the world's foremost proponent of using biological weapons to target economies, deniably uh, is our, our leading suspect. So I did this short video uh, with Ron on that, and it's going viral now. There are over 11,000 views in like two days. And uh, and yesterday, as it started going viral, I noted we, my house got buzzed by a helicopter. That may be a coincidence. I live out in rural Wisconsin where eh, it's pretty rare that any helicopter ever goes by, but they do once in a while. I think they're either medical helicopters from the university going off to some rural person to save them or oh. occasionally a military helicopter from this Fort McCoy that's uh, 100 miles north of here. But yes. uh, it was interesting that, you know, we don't hear them often. They very rarely, like, really buzz the house where you can hear them super loud inside the house. But that did happen, uh, I think it was last night. So just just as this this uh, this video accusing uh, the U.S. of launching COVID as a biowar strike against China and Iran is starting yes. to go viral, my house gets yes. buzzed by a helicopter. Now, if I were a paranoid conspiracy theorist, I wouldn't think that was a coincidence. It's not so much what you say these days, perhaps. I'm thinking increasingly that it may be true that uh, it's not so much what you say, but how many people you have in your audience when you say it that really gets the uh, the opposition alarmed. Mm-hmm. And it could result in some kind of, uh, you know, um, blowback on your on your person. So... Um, and that's what that's what Gordon Duff told me. You know, he's he's the ex Intel guy that I can actually name. Uh, yes. Yeah, I remember when he first said, you know, oh, that article you just wrote, Kevin, that was very powerful. You know, if that they would kill as many people as they needed to, starting with you, to make sure that that article didn't appear in, let's say, the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. Yeah. So so the, as long as you're on a smaller platform that doesn't look super credible and isn't going to change the world, you can get away yeah. with saying pretty much any damn thing you want. But um, if you start, you know, racking up the views and, and, you know, moving into credible platforms and actually really influencing public opinion in a big way, then right. they might start to pull out the stops to come after you. Right. This is why I like my Operation uh, Showtime. But uh, we can talk about that on another occasion. Operation Showtime. Well, I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, well, you, you read the uh, the proposal, I think, didn't you? And you thought it was a great idea. So. We're just going to leave that on the Are you allowed to describe it on on the radio yet or not? Um, No. (laughs) Okay. Well, people will have to keep following this radio show to find out what happens in the future. It does have a potential for uh, about the same as the truckers. So I'm going to keep it under wraps for now. Okay. That sounds good, and and I'm sure we're going to, you know, waste a lot of uh, time over over at the National Security Agency where they just heard you mention this thing, but you can't talk about it, and so they're going to have to pay a whole bunch of experts to scratch their heads and sit around and try and figure out what the heck you're up to. They're well, already listening in on all our conversations, not listening in necessarily, but uh, I do have a take on on uh, the uh, so-called total information awareness uh, proposal put forth by the CIA over 20 years ago and now in full operation where virtually every phone call and every email message in the world is split into two parts. One part goes to a data bank somewhere in Maryland, and the other part goes to the intended recipient. And um, 
those every one of those phone calls is combed by uh, voice recognition software, not voice recognition, but um, you know, translated into text. And the text messages, of course, are all scanned for keywords. And uh, the uh, total volume of billions of phone calls almost per day gets winnowed down to a few dozen, which an analyst will look at at a certain desk within the organization. And then, uh, you know, decisions may be taken about what to do, if anything, about those particular calls. So anyway, I like to fantasy when I'm talking to a lady friend and we get kind of um, you know, down to more basic personal things. I love to think of those those young graduates hired recently by the uh, by the um, intelligence agency in question to have our conversation broadcast over the whole room, and they all stop what they're doing and listen to the conversation. It's very exciting, <laughs> and uh, that's our fantasy, anyway. Well, it's, uh, these conversations are certainly not something you're going to hear on the commercial networks or on, you know, CBC or National Public Radio or anything like that. In fact, every time I listen to kind of mainstream radio, including these high-end mainstream talk radio on uh, yeah. public radio, I think to myself, boy, you know, all these production values, all these smart people they hire, and it's yeah. still just fluff and pablum compared to what I do, you know, for almost nothing, you know, ultra low budget out of my own home. Um, That's right. It's, yeah, we you can have a more interesting conversation than the mainstream has. Uh, oh, so absolutely. And um, even if a person disagrees, they may uh, listen to it with a kind of horrified fascination, which is actually the operation of a slow change within their deep-seated psyches toward uh, a more balanced view of the world of today's world so uh, i like to think that a lot of these things have that kind of impact and it's slow and it's and it's slow moving but one by one they come to our side of this of the fence and look at things from our point of view and realize that there's something very seriously wrong with this world today and i suppose that's about where we could leave it for now yeah, well, we only have a couple of minutes left, so I guess once again we can see if people will remember the website where they can read the New World Intelligencer. It's physics911.net slash intelligencer, and I linked it at the show blog for today, which people can find yeah. by way of truthjihad.com. Click on the radio schedule link, find your way to this interview with Professor A.K. Dudney, and you can find a link to the New World Intelligencer, which is uh, very, very good stuff. Um, if you want to keep up with what's happening in this bizarre world, uh, I think it's one of the very best resources, right up there with False Flag Weekly News. <laughs> oh, let's say, yes. Oh, you've elevated me to uh, unanticipated heights now, and I feel uh, I'm breathing rarefied air. <laughs> yeah, well, I thank, thank you, you for that. I, I appreciate that. I, well, I, I think you are definitely uh, one of the go-to people for uh, figuring out what's what's up in the world. And you know, we, uh, in terms of the great scientific minds that are speaking the truth about some of these things, you know, we we lost Lynn Margulis a while back, and we lost Luc Montagnier not too long ago. Uh, we still have Dr. A.K. Dudney, and we'll have him for a long time, inshallah. Inshallah, for sure. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for having me on your show. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Khalil. Uh, it's been great. I appreciate your fantastic work. Uh, Assalamu alaikum.
Alaikum Salam, and uh, may you prosper, and may you survive, and may we all come together in a better world. Amin, brother. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That's Dr. A.K. Dudney. I'm Kevin Barrett of TruthJihad.com. Back in the second hour with a debate between Peter Myers and Matthew Errett. Stick around for that.